everybody, and welcome. This is Wildstorm Addiction, episode number 37 for August 2012. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And this month, we will be discussing Stormwatch number 11, Grifter number 11, Ravagers number 3, and Voodoo number 11, as well as some other Wildstorm appearances in the DCU New 52. I do want to remind everybody we do spoil these comics, but... They're about a month old, so you should have read them by now. So go out and do that. However, all the written reviews on the website are spoiler-free and done by our very own Joe David Solis. Yay, me. (laughs) So uh, we're going to start off with some Wildstorm news. And the first thing that we want to mention is that 20 years ago this month, in August 1992, that Wildcats number one was released, and it birthed what we now know as of Wildstorm and all the great characters that came out of that, that we're now seeing a resurgence in the new DCU 52. So that's pretty cool. And in the beginning, there was Jim Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Also in October, Voodoo joins Grifter with issue number 13, since Voodoo will be ending shortly. Team seven, number one debuts with a Jim Lee variant cover, which also mentions Gamora, which is pretty cool. Superboy shows up in Ravagers number 5, and Deathstroke number 13 solicitation reads that Deathstroke and Zealot learn the terrible fate of the planet Karen and brace for the long-lasting repercussions it will have on the DCU universe. So, the question remains, did they just rename the planet that the Carabum came from? That's something goofy, but I guess we can deal with that. Yeah, could have been worse. Yeah, right. (laughs) Also, Grifter Volume 1, Most Wanted Trade, comes out on July 25th, so that was this past week, and it collects issues number 1 through 8, which was uh, Nathan Edmondson's entire run with art by Cafu and Scott Clark, which, that's great, because I was a little worried that they were going to do, you know, the 1 through 6 that normally goes on, but since uh, Rob Liefeld joined the uh, the title, it's a completely different book, so I'm glad they went clear to issue number 8 and. uh and kind of put that all together for Nathan. Yeah, they did kind of pick and choose which one's got an eight-issue trade and which one's got a six-issue trade, so I'm glad that they're taking that consideration. Yeah, this one makes the most sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, DC Hero Clicks, uh, Batman's coming November 2012, so that's cool. And as part of the set release, there are pictures of uh, Wildstorm versions of Grifter, Maul, Voodoo, and Zealot, which is kind of odd that they're doing the old versions, but I'm kind of glad that they're doing the old versions because we like them better. <laughs> yeah, between this and, and Liefeld teasing at Comic-Con this year that, uh, you know, that the Wildcats might come back soon, I think that's what they're doing because why in the world would you decide to put the Wildcats in a Batman set, you know, <laughs> if you weren't just trying to remind people about them? So just trying to read the clues here. Okay, Soothsayer. <laughs> uh, Rob Liefeld announces that his current run at DC will end his run on superhero books to focus on creator and projects. The real question is when? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much. He said that it would go into next year, like he would finish out his runs on, on the three titles he's doing. Because I, I literally just read this today. I didn't even see it. And apparently it came out like on Wednesday, the 25th. And he just tweeted behind because, you know, Grant Morrison's not doing superhero books anymore either. So Liefeld was commenting on that and saying that he wasn't going to be too far behind Morrison and doing the same thing. So it's going to be sometime next year. So none too soon then. (laughs) We just need the title to survive long enough. (laughs) Right. 
But uh, before I get into the first review, I did want to mention real quick that I had a nice little Twitter conversation with uh, Brett Booth. Uh, you can check out the conversation at Clark's Bar. But Brett, you know, does a lot of just his own sketches and stuff at his blog, uh, which is uh, demonpuppy.blogspot.com, which I think is hilarious. But um, but he did a redesign for Backlash, and. Uh, when we were tweeting, he basically said that he's been trying to get them to put Backlash in the new 52, and he said they've actually had two failed pitches for him that uh, they just can't find a place that really makes sense for him. And he actually, when I brought up, well, you know, why didn't you put him in Team 7, he said that uh, he feels that uh, that the Backlash's history got too, uh, like, I guess, convoluted in the old Wallstorm universe, so he figured it needed to be parred down, I think it was the way he put it. So I can kind of see how maybe he wants to start the character fresh. But uh, the redesign is there, and it's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty much just Backlash, just a little little bit more streamlined. So definitely go over and check it out if you haven't already. I think we're all waiting for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as Brett draws it, too, that's the main thing. <laughs> right. Uh, but the first one we're going to talk about is So Much Number 11, which is uh, it was released on July the 4th and is written by Peter Milligan with art by Ignacio Calero and cover by Scott Clark, which um, it was interesting that we got a Scott Clark cover because Scott Clark was absent uh, this month from the Grifter book, as you'll find later. So I guess he was either taking a month off to catch up. But but uh, So Much Number 11 starts a interesting new origin of some of a group of villains that uh hopefully we'll see more with Stormwatch but uh Milligan as we saw in the last issue I believe the last issue that he's adding uh more into the history of Stormwatch you know the Stormwatch that exists here in the DCU and he really takes us way back into history with this one and starts us 30,000 years in the past where um he shows that the battle between Neanderthals <laughs> that's going to be fun to say here in a minute and man, and you know in modern man that apparently there was an actual battle that they had where the Neanderthals lost and the survivors basically created this um the secret society and they became known as the hidden people apparently they did have access to um to magics and things like that because they create these warriors who are meant to um throughout time to slowly you know bring bring their rule back now just in saying this out loud i mean this whole thing sounds ridiculous because you're like really the neanderthals you know of all the of all the things in history for him to pick but as we go along you'll see that he he really does make this idea work heck yeah he does I uh, did want to mention that they they do a nice little nod to uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws because they mention here the uh, the other group of ancient villains called the Untitled, which is uh, something that was revealed in in the pages of Red Hood. So I'm actually kind of glad that that I was following that book for a while just because so I know what they're talking about here. Basically, what what the the hidden people end up doing is they end up creating this device that can devolve, you know, modern humans and then. We go into a um, a nice montage of um, you know little bits and pieces of battles that uh, early versions of Stormwatch versus you know the Neanderthals and stopping their ability to um, to devolve humans basically. And there's some 
there's some great little just one shots in here. I mean, the opening one they show, I, I can't even tell if that's supposed to be like ancient Japan or, or what. But then, you know, we, we skip over to something that's, that it looks like, uh, like medieval times, but obviously with the Stormwatch influence, they've got kind of the, I don't know if, if y'all watch, if, uh, those of you who watch anime, if you've ever watched uh, Full Metal Alchemist, but it's got that kind of like ancient tech feel to it, you know, but it's got the medieval style too. Have you ever seen that anime, Ben? No, I haven't. Oh, you should check it out. It's awesome. But that's, that's this image here and the second one that it shows kind of reminded me of that. But but it, it's just this, this kind of fast-forwarding showing how they would hibernate you know, between their between their losses, basically, <laughs> and just continue their their plans until we get to modern day, where it shows that uh, that Stormwatch is still fighting them. Each of the three has pretty simplistic names, if I remember right, because the uh, the girl's name is simply just Flame, and then their leader is Soul, and then who's the third one? Because he's the one that can create um, weapons that only he can touch. I think is what is that what the the deal was? Oh, that they're oh that they're controlled by his mind. So you know, Stormwatch is fighting the modern day version of these of these three warriors, and you know, from their point of view, you know, they're they're able to to take care of them pretty quick. You know, between all the 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 firepower that they have nowadays, you know, with Apollo Midnighter and even Martian Manhunter and engineers out in the field with them now. She's not just back in the ship giving orders. So, so they're able to take out the take out the trio pretty quickly, even though they they eventually get away. But apparently, Angie's the only one that uh, kind of knows what's going on. And you know, after the battle, she takes time to um, give them an update on what's going on here and why it's why it's a big deal you know talking about the devolver device and why they need to get it out of the the hidden people's hands and the even martian manhunter at the end of the battle you know notices that um that the group was actually interested in angie and this is where the issue kind of takes a turn and kind of focuses on angie a little bit because i forgot to mention but scott clark's cover you know is focusing on her and it, you know, the the tagline was the engineer targeted by the hidden people. So, as we'll see by the end of the issue, there's there's a very sinister plot that they have going on here for her. But um, again, as Milligan, you know, moves us into the story, he's he continues to to put things in here to remind us the Stormwatch has been around forever, basically. And um, as Angie's doing her research, she reveals. Uh, the identity of her predecessor, uh, which in this world, uh, his name is Archie Trundle, and also talks about <laughs> this. This part to me had a very like planetary style feel to it, you know, because you know she's looking him up, and you've got a, a girl as part of the trio that's named Agent Luna, and then you've got a, a black guy with a saxophone, and his name is Big Ben, <laughs> and you got another character named Von Z, which he looks like the Kaiser from Germany, you know, in World War One. So, so to me, that like I said, it was just a very nice little nod because I mean, this is this is easily something you would have seen in the pages of Planetary, you know, this idea of kind of the kind of the kooky uh, superheroes that came out in the in the early 20th century, and apparently they, uh, you know, they met their demise uh, in the past, but they've kept each of the 
former member's remains, and so Angie is able to tap into her predecessor's remains and trying to gather information. And um, this is where something I appreciated about the issue uh, takes a little turn, uh, where we have, let me see, what is it? We have like four or five inkers in this whole book, <laughs> which at first was a little jarring. And we have a you know, two pencilers credited besides Ignacio. We've also got Eduardo Bansica. <laughs> so I'm not real sure whose is whose, but I know that when we, because, and it's mainly because of the inkers uh, that I, it's harder for me to tell. But like when we switch to Angie's origin here, you know, we get to see, I, I honestly don't remember her, her origin as much in the old Wallstrom U, but here it's, uh, somebody was mentioning online that uh, this is a little bit more gruesome, where apparently she was in some sort of accident, and she awakens, and basically there's almost nothing left of her that's actual you know, flesh and bone. She's mainly a uh, machine. And so we get that nice little glimpse into her past. But before we can get too much into that, we uh, head back to our old friend Harry Tanner, <laughs> who's in the Antarctic, and he has since acquired the very low-grade villain known as the Fox. But apparently he's using the Fox and, uh, I guess, upgrading him was the sense that I got, which is kind of interesting. I'm really curious to see why he would go through so much trouble to take this low-grade villain and, you know, go through all this work just to, to... Obviously, you know, his intent is to get back at Stormwatch, but uh, it's just unclear how he plans to do that. He he says he needs a partner, so he's turning him into a, an evil genius like himself. Is that what it is? Because, I mean, he's got the projectionist there, so it's not like he's alone. Yeah, but she's not willing. So, <laughs> Yeah, but they, they kind of question that, though. I don't know if it's here or the last issue where, um, you know, about why is she still there. You know, I think we talked about that, you know, because she starts to get a little mouthy with him in this issue. <laughs> kind of asking him questions and she pays for it by a slice in the cheek and a reminder that uh that he could easily you know take out her tongue if he wanted to <laughs> so nice yeah <laughs> but yeah it's it's interesting that they throw that right in the middle of uh what's technically the engineer's uh vision that she's still in the middle of because you know after she is reminded of her own origin then she uh is able to see the demise of of Archie and his group of Stormwatch people. They basically, you know, ran into the hidden people, and and the hidden people were allowed to uh, to actually activate the Devolver there for a while. So that's what took out that version of the team. Is what I understood, and it took uh, it took their death to uh, to get everything back to the way it was. You know, like I said earlier, I understand what they were going for because the transition in art does remind you that you're not looking at present day. But uh, it almost it almost works against itself because the art in the flashback is so much better than the art in present day. <laughs> and again, I don't know if it's the inker or the other penciler. I, I just I just don't know because Ignacio Calero's art didn't really look like this in his other issues that he's done so far. So. You know that so far that was my only thing about this issue that was kind of jarring. I, I understood what they were going for, but it was just very jarring. And 
So in modern day, you know, that's a nice segue. The vision that she's seen is a nice segue into the fact that in modern day, once again, the hidden people are able to get the devolver working and just in time for Stormwatch to arrive and they start devolving everybody. <laughs> uh, Jenny makes an interesting thing here that I, I was wondering. It was a nice little nod to Jenny Sparks, but she, it doesn't really devolve her. I don't know what it does. It starts turning her into what looks like electricity. And she starts yelling out. She's like, what's going on? You know, there's sparks, nothing but bloody sparks. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was a nice nod. And then Apollo is the one that uh, gets the worst of it. You know, he literally, his his body starts changing. And an interesting moment here where he starts crying out to God for help. And uh, just in time for uh, the engineer to arrive, and she, um, the same way in, in which she absorbed uh, the previous engineer's memories, she absorbs the devolver into herself, and it almost kills her. It uh, it has some weird effects on her, on her uh, body as it as the metal and the whatever flesh she has left. You know, almost she just looks like like. Have you ever seen uh, the anime Akira? Oh yeah. Okay, remember what happens to Tetsuo at the end when his body starts freaking out and bubbling yeah. up? And yeah, for those who are listening, that picture that if you've seen it. <laughs> that's yeah, what's that's happening a, here. That's a good description. Yeah. So, so yeah, so she barely survives this, and the and the crew is able to get her back just in time for her to. Uh, looks like she throws up uh, her own guts, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, but I don't know that's supposed to symbolize that, uh, you know, she's getting rid of whatever was corrupt. But, you know, she was able to, they were able to stop the devolver and whatnot. And again, I was being the bad reviewer and I didn't read this one again, but I don't remember what the exchange was here between Midnighter and and uh, Hawksmoor. I know they were giving him a hard time for not being being part of the the battle. That's basically what it was. Midnighter's just calling him out for being a chicken, for not not joining them. Yeah, since they weren't in the city, that's what was his argument was, right? Yeah. And then, um, <clears throat> here at the very end of the issue, to me, is what really separated these villains, because, you know, they basically reveal that they wanted this to play out exactly the way that it did. They wanted the engineer to absorb the devolver into her, and and now that she's going to unwillingly act, I guess, kind of like a sleeper agent for them. So, um so for me, that was the turning point for these villains, you know, that could have easily been just a really crazy kind of one shot, you know, kind of one of those, you know, everybody's brainstorming. It's like, you know, it'd be really cool, <laughs> you know, but he took it beyond that. I think when they, uh, it, it's always, it's always interesting when a villain or a group of villains has forethinking, you know, that they, they're not so, uh, so spur of the moment that they actually, you know, plan something out and, and even in planning, they figure out what could go wrong, and they prepare for that as well. Kind of the way that Harvest did during the culling. To me, that was what made him an interesting villain. So, I mean, overall, this was a really great issue. I, I, to me, this is the kind of thing that, that Stormwatch is, is strong in. It's just these weird little storylines that wouldn't work anywhere else, you know? <laughs> because, I don't know, you just... I can't imagine him reading the premise of DC and they're like, what? You want to do what when the other thaws? You know? <laughs> so what did you think? No, I thought it was great. Yeah, you're right on. I mean, this title makes you think it 
it does remind me a lot of Planetary, and Planetary was an epic title, and, and I'm glad that we get to see a lot of that type of storytelling in Stormwatch. This is the polar opposite of Grifter, which I will get into shortly, but it just... <laughs> You know, it, this deserves a second and third reading, and I know I've said it before, but the trades will be amazing. Um, I, the art uh, jumping around didn't bother me in this issue. I mean, I know that it was a little bit different than what we're used to getting, but I know that they had a plan in mind with it because there was so much um, that they kind of had to explain, and I'm glad that they used the art to help help explain uh, time and what was going on there. I, I like that they used uh, these characters to explain human events in certain ways. Um, wasn't that the one time that they turned it on that that kind of set on the uh, the Dark Ages or something like that? Yeah, I, I was trying to look for that as I was reading through. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I thought I remember reading something about that. So the, yeah, stuff like that's always kind of kind of scary. Kind of like, wow, really? You know that? <laughs> yeah, like the the Renaissance would have happened a lot sooner or it was already happening there was technology way back then and then you know they were able to turn on the devolver and and set human the human race back um you know thousands of years again and and throw them back into the middle ages so i thought that was great i mean the way that they're able to play with history and and make it all work out and and link together with a new group of characters and, and villains basically that are smarter than your average Singe. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's awesome. I mean, this this title just continues to to make me smile every month that I pick it up. It's it's awesome. Yeah, just real quick note. I think the way you mentioned that this will read good in trade. You know, I don't know if I mentioned it, but when I picked up the volume one Stormwatch trade, that story does read a lot better. You know, in one sitting. And, uh, you know, they may not be wanting to write for the trades, but I think it's hard for uh, writers not to do that nowadays. So just a quick shout out for that. <laughs> cool. Well, I may as well go into Grifter 11, uh, which was released on July 11th, written by Rob Liefeld and Frank Thierry, with art by Merritt Michaels and inks by Rob Hunter and cover by Rob Liefeld. You guys have heard me and Joe kind of uh, dissing this this title for the last well since rob liefeld picked up and and i know that they've had their uh marching orders that they're they're going uh in line with and i i get that but you know you've taken this character or they've sort of taken this character that has typically been like an epic iconic uh wildstorm character who over the years has been a, a wise ass but also you know, one of the biggest badasses in in that universe. And, you know, with Joe Casey writing him and, and many others writing him in the past, he, you know, we have an understanding of, of what we want or how we expect Grifter to be. And so now he's completely different. We understand that. Issue 9, you know, that basically started the, what I want to call the teen Grifter. Because to me now this book feels like a teen book. And there's there's very little dialogue, and the dialogue that is written is campy, to say the least. Um, when you read this right after Stormwatch, you know, a week later, as it comes out every month, it, to me, just feels childish in, in a lot of ways. And I guess, you know, some people like that, but it's just not my cup of tea. So I guess I'll, I'll just <laughs> go on with that. So uh, 
you know, the group of Grifter and, and Nico and Deathblow have run across another baddie called Singe, and it's not determined that he is truly a Daemonite, but he has the Daemonite uh, kind of speech bubble, so I guess I'll assume that he is, since he has, like, blue uh, energy and stuff like that. And the title for this this book is Forgive Us Our Singe. Uh, don't. Yeah, it's <laughs> really, really bad. Um, and also, I want to mention that this issue isn't drawn by Scott Clark, which is also kind of a bummer, so they continue to uh, pull things away from this book that we're worth looking at it for. <laughs> um, so they're fighting this guy, and uh, a lot of cheesy dialogue ensues. Uh, Deathblow gets gets rocked rather early in the uh, fight, which, you know, a- another kind of hit to the Wildstorm Pass because Deathblow was, he was a lot stronger than uh, they're writing him out to be. I mean, he seems pretty weak in this in this environment. Nico goes after Singe, and, and he tosses her away. So Grifter decides to start using his new powers that he ran across and, and you know, picks up some nearby trees and, and stones, and Singe kind of laughs at him for throwing twigs at him. Nico comes out after him with a uh, motorcycle and kind of launches up and, and tries to crush him, I guess, and he easily tosses her off. But in the process, she had uh, cut open the uh, the fuel tank and, and basically got that to explode on him and didn't tell her teammates, and Deathblow kind of got the brunt of that and kind of got knocked out. So that was nice of her. Yeah, you find out later why she's not so concerned about Deathblow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and this is where we get some more awesome dialogue when... Uh, after Grifter kind of takes care of Deathblow and realizes that he's okay, he'll live, decides to get all chosen one on somebody's ass. So that's good. But at least the characters are learning to uh, make fun of their speech patterns themselves within the book. Um, they do make, you know, make a note of that. Rob and Frank are understanding that not everybody uh, enjoys the way that they're being written, but since they have to be written that way, since they're being told to be written that way, I guess they're uh, putting up with it in their own their own way. Uh, so Grifter kind of lures Singe into a forest and basically uh, decides to stretch his uh, powers and see how, how far he can really go with them and basically lifts the entire forest up uh, all the trees out of their roots and all the rocks. Basically, he creates this huge uh, crater um, within this mountainous forest area and puts them all down on Singe and knocks him out. Shortly thereafter, uh, Deathblow walks over to Grifter and Nico comes over with her bike. Who, this better be the same bike or one of the bikes that they had um, <laughs> because hers was blown up. And she hops off of it and quickly shoots Deathblow in the chest, pretty much point blank. And the audience gasps. <gasps> right, right. Because uh, they make mention of, man, no matter what we do, the, the Daemonites are always uh, one step ahead of us or something like that. And then Nico turns to Grifter, who, you know, as we've seen with the character for the first ten issues, I would have think that he would have been able to react fast enough. But she's able to shoot him as well, uh, pretty much point blank. 
Well, you know, when a woman betrays you, you, you just become all discombobulated and you don't, you don't, you can't think straight. <laughs> I guess. And she basically says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that I had to do this to you, Cole. Almost. Then we go over to uh, Singe makes his way out of the rubble because obviously that didn't kill him. And we move uh, up into space and this must be a, uh, a Daemonite ship of some sort and basically there's a bunch of monks or whatever and you know they're looking at uh some kind of uh ancient texts and it basically says you know throughout all the countless prophecies uh, we've got, gone over every scenario possible and no matter what the result's always the same the chosen one always wins and uh you see a green fist slamming down on on an armchair, and, and one of the uh, monks or whatever uh, <laughs> who gave him the prophecy, he blows that monk's head off into goo, and the next panel, or the next page, you see Hellspawn, and he says, look again. <laughs> and uh, in the shadows of the next panel, you see Nico walking, walking through. It's obviously her lower half, and she says, they won't need to, Lord Hellspawn. She'll be the one to take care of it because she drops off the chosen one and death blow right onto his lap, basically, and puts him on the floor with a singe right behind her. We basically see Hellspawn saying that he will not be denied, and the next title is a last shot. So that was this issue. Very quick read. Like I said, not much to, not not a whole lot of meat in here. Uh, it was basically a big, huge fight um, since they were told to ramp up the action. And that's basically what we got. And we got a huge twist with uh, Nico betraying our favorite hero-ish grifter. Any thoughts on that, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> on this last page, you know, where she's delivered Grifter and Deathblow to Hellspawn, there's an advertisement on the left-hand side for Comic-Con, and it has Jeff Johns with his hand being held out. You know, because they're supposed to come meet the makers. <laughs> and I feel like saying, yes, Jeff Johns, please let us grab your hand and pull this title <laughs> out of the mire. Um, yeah, because I know he's too busy rebuilding the rest of the DC universe. But it would be interesting to see what he would do with Grifter, given the chance. Heck, I would just hand him the Wildcats title, honestly. We know it's not going to happen. He'll only ever touch Grifter if this just so happens to cross over into something he's doing maybe in the big trinity war event next year. Yeah, I mean there's there's just there's not much to say. I mean, I will say I do like I know Merritt Michaels, you know, he's one of the he's one of the old school image guys. He usually does a lot of stuff with Rob Liefeld. Um so I I mean I, I do like his art. I mean, he's he's not my in my top artist, but I I do enjoy his art and you know, I like his rendition of Grifter. It's it's very old school image style, you know, and um, <laughs> it is funny that uh, Singe keeps changing mass and size. You know, by the time he bursts out of the forest, you know he's huge. He's like hulked out. <laughs> and even though I, you know, I, I could care less about this about Singe, you know, I actually did appreciate that they didn't kill him at the end because this title has enough problems you know without them having to go to the 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 freak of the week basically so i actually did appreciate that he didn't die he seems like such a basic character though that doesn't need to exist so i'm i was shocked that they didn't just kill him off 
Yeah. And as far as, I don't think, I think he's possessed by a daemonite, so he's probably like a, a super-powered being that's been possessed by a daemonite, is what I'd guess. Um, and the whole thing with uh, Sheshire, you know, turning, I mean, I didn't see that coming at all, so I mean, it was a decent twist, because there was no indication, I mean... I'm sure there's some people out there who, you know, when when they when they kind of they kind of talked about this before, where they're like, you know, how the Daemonites keep keeping up with us, and at that time there was enough other characters, you know, all the all the other soldiers that were with them that it technically could have been any of them, but I guess as the as all of them got picked off, you know, as soon as they brought this back in, well, you're down to three characters, and it's, uh, I mean, I didn't. I would have never thought it would be Deathblow, but that definitely would have been interesting <laughs> if he had been the traitor. Yeah, that would have been completely out of character. But I definitely did not want that to be the case. But Cheshire, since she doesn't have a definitive version, I guess you could say, you know, I'm fine with her defecting. You know, it does maybe she'll work better as a villain anyway. It's going to be nice to have Grifter versus Hellspot next issue. Uh, I think we'll see if the nostalgia of that helps <laughs> you know at that point if they want to have a lo- issue long fight I'm fine with that you know <laughs> but the thing is you have to build up to stuff like that it can't be every issue you know right you know it's like they always say you know with drugs and stuff like that it's like you can't keep getting the same high <laughs> you know it's not going to happen you're going to hit a low eventually <laughs> you have to keep pushing I, I feel like Hellspawn is the biggest slut of the uh, new 52 <laughs> He's getting into more books than anybody else that I know. Is there any other character that's crossed over more than any other into any other title more than him? You know, if I feel so inclined, I may jump on comic book resources, and that'll be my title for the thread. Is Hellspawn the biggest slut of New 52? <laughs> now, I'll have to think of another word because I don't want him to take it down, but right. <laughs> I would love to hear people's opinions about that because what is that, for? But it, cause, at least because technically he did come out in Stormwatch he was in the piece of the station that was falling <laughs> so you didn't actually see him right. but he was there <laughs> Superman, Stormwatch Grifter <laughs> yeah that would be a funny thread to start I might I might do that I have to, you have to remind me yeah there's not much else to say about this title there's, there's no point in bashing it I mean I understand why they're doing what they're doing. You know, we already discussed it with Frank Terry on Twitter, and, you know, so <laughs> there's nothing else I can say. All I can hope for is a good fight between Grifter and Hellspawn next year. Oh, I will say that they need to make Grifter have a penalty for using these powers because this is just, this is not Grifter. I mean, it is, but he needs to have, a, you know, something bad happen for using these powers, man. He just got shot point blank and didn't even blink. <laughs> I can deal with that, you know. I'll just chalk that up to the modern day, you know, right. rolling down the hill and breaking his neck, you know, <laughs> like in the old Wallstorm here. Right. I can deal with that over, you know, him continuing to use these powers. I mean, why even pick up a gun anymore? What's the point, you know? <laughs> That's the only thing. Quick side note: Have you seen the movie uh, Chronicle? Uh no. Oh, you need to watch that movie. It's awesome. But I mean, basically, the kids in those in that movie they get embedded with these same kind of powers. But every time they use them too much, like their nose starts bleeding. It reminded me of Team Seven. Check it out. See, 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 see what the true you know price for using these kind of powers is. 
Anyway, let's move on to the next one, which is Ravagers number three, which is also released on the same day as Grifter, which is July the 11th. It's written by Howard Mackey with art covered by Ian Churchill. I got to lead into this way of saying this is this is one of my new favorite books because I, I really look forward to this book every month now. I'm kind of doing this review backwards, but I'm just going to start with the praise because I just I'm loving the art. I think the story is really fun. You would get the introduction of a uh, classic DC villain in here in Brother Blood, newly redesigned for the New 52, which apparently, quick little trivia, I guess they hadn't settled on his design yet because the original cover for this issue had him you know, coming out of the, the blood, but he didn't have the, the fancy headpiece on yet. <laughs> we actually, You can actually see that at the Wallstorm Resource Week. We have the original cover there. But here, I see that they've updated his look, which is interesting because that means the interior artist would have had to have gone and fixed it. So, but yeah, basically they're preparing for. Um, you know, he's got he's got a, a cult of followers, and and for some reason, you know, he has an interest in uh, Beast Boy, and you know, he gets a vision that Beast Boy is with the rest of the Ravagers, basically. Even though we know at this point that Beast Boy and Terra broke away from the group. And that the majority of the group is with Fairchild. You know, he basically rallies his followers to go capture them. He makes a mention here of something that um, somebody at, was it Comic Vine, I think, uh, talked to me about. Because he says here, you know, he's like, oh, well, if they are my ticket to the red place you've shown me in your visions, then we should really get started, shouldn't we? Now, I took that to mean, like I mentioned in the last podcast, you know, Animal Man is talking about the tree of the three the three uh, aspects of the world which is the red the green and the rot you know the red are the animals the green are the plants and the rot is death you know and they work kind of like the circle of life they feed into each other and beast boy you know his color was changed from green to red to go in line with that new idea for the new 52 so when he mentioned that here, I was like, well, you know, he's wanting to get into the red because it's an actual place you go to. And uh, I don't know how Beast Boy is going to be the key there because even in the New 52, they basically established that you can't just walk into the red, you know, or just teleport there or anything like that. Like you, you have to have the ability to go there. And in Animal Man, it's his daughter who's the new avatar for the red. So only she can take him there. And I remember Animal Man can go, but his it was a lot harder for him to get into the red and then into the, the beans that were there that, that, that could help him. So, so I, you know, basically I put that out in my review. One of the guys at Comic Vine was like, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's this whole other story that, uh, and I, I should just pull it up and read what he wrote. But basically he was saying that it wasn't that. And then I was like, well, you know, to in later solicitations, it does talk about that, Ravagers is going to slightly tie in to a big crossover that that Animal Man and Swamp Thing are going to have. I think it's called Red World. And so any any of the three elements are going to be affected. And since Beast Boy is one of them, in that issue of Ravagers, which I think is that same number five with Superboy, it talks about him being affected by this crossover. So anyway, just, you know, whatever it turns out to be, it's the point of all that is is that it is just so cool that they are still interconnecting all the titles. We've talked about it over and over, but I mean, it, it bears repeating because this is, it's not an easy task to, to keep up editorially with so many books and to make them all make sense. Yeah. I actually went out and, uh, 
I ordered the Animal Man uh, volume number one trade because it, the concept sounds interesting to me as you've been explaining it the last couple episodes. So I'm interested enough to go out and, and read that to see how that's going to connect to this book in the near future. So. Oh, it's a, it's amazing. And get Swamp Thing as well, because if you read them concurrently, they feed into one another. So definitely worth a read. Cool. Then we switch over to what I consider a very Gen 13-esque moment. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, because those of you who you know used to read Gen 13 know that, um, especially in the early days with J. Scott Campbell, you know, for especially Fairchildhurst, you you know, lose her clothes just, you know, so, you know, something would happen and, or she'd be scantily clad, you know, and it was never her own fault, you know. Of course not. You know, stuff like that always happened. It was always J. Scott Campbell. It was his fault. It was always his fault. (laughs) (laughs) And it also reminded me that back in the day, they were supposed to be teenagers, you know, so, you know, why did we never, well, I was a teenager when I was reading it, so it wasn't creepy to me, you know, because I was like, yeah, you know, I was totally with J. Scott because I was 15, they were 15, it was all good, so. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I mean, until I kind of question this, (laughs) (laughs) especially since, like we talked about last time, that you know, Fairchild in this one, she's not a teenager. You know, she's still young. I'm pegging her around 21, 20. Yeah. Yeah, I think she can go get a drink, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Or somebody will buy her one if she can't get it. <laughs> she's the adult here this time, which is which is so weird, you know, because they, they basically find a river and, uh, you know, Ridge, Thunder, and Lightning decide to go skinny dipping. <laughs> Brother and sister. Yeah, so it's fine that they're brother and sister, right? You know, <laughs> maybe they're foreign. You know, that's that's, that's okay. Like maybe they're European. That's okay in Europe, right? <laughs> but well, well, he stands behind her in like five panels, and they're butt naked. <laughs> so thus begins, you know, Fairchild kind of playing the mom, and you know, we don't have time for this. We got to go, and the rest of them are like, you know, no, we got to take time to enjoy ourselves, and. You know, then they freak out because they find that the uh, the highlighted lines on their suits actually are part of their skin, and so that uh, that freaks out Lightning. Thunder has to console her, and I mean, it, it kind of sucks because yeah, I mean, they're trying to have fun, and you know, these two especially, even in the last issue, they were it's this whole idea of well, you know, they're just trying to get on with their life, basically. <laughs> And every time they try to, something else happens. And at this point, we begin a lot of a uh, what I call the the Austin Power shots, where especially Lightning, you know, knows how to move her arm in just the right way <laughs> to cover her boobs. So <laughs> her brother's fine. I mean, he's in water waist deep, so he don't have to cover nothing. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know, no sooner do they, you know, start enjoying their little dip whenever the uh, the followers of Brother Blood show up. Now, this, here's another example of, we have two artists on the book, I forgot to mention, we do have Ian Churchill, who's the normal artist, but we also have John Sybil with Tom Rainey, which Tom Rainey was uh, from a lot of the uh, the Stormwatch stuff, the, the Warren Ellis Stormwatch, so it's kind of kind of cool to see him back in a book that we're following again, but he... Uh, draws the scenes when we move over to Beast Boy and Terra, who are um, 
basically stealing from people to try to survive and they have some local yokels show up and you know with shotguns and ready to take them out because they're uh you know super freaks basically in their eyes and but of course you know i mean these are two powerful powerful characters so beast boy you know just turns into a wolf and freaks out one guy while tara you know tears up the parking lot and takes out the other guys i mean she don't they don't kill him obviously but but that's the quick little interlude to just kind of remind us that they're still out there. They'll come back to play here and later in the issue. Oh, but uh, before we do that, though, he does mention that because Beast Boy is having these visions of the of uh, Fairchild and the others being captured by Brother Blood, and and this is uh, his motivation to finally get them to get Terra to agree to go back and find them. So, uh, so there's the connection there to get them back to the team. Then we, you know, go back into the battle that's already started between uh, Fairchild and the others in the middle of of all the Brother Blood followers. Which I must say, they're creepy looking followers. They 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 have had like the skin from their heads, you know, taken off, and the, all you see is the muscle. <laughs> so, Fairchild Fairchild looks pretty buff in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when she hulks out in this universe, she really hulks out. <laughs> yeah. I, I like their design. It, it reminds me of, like, the bodies exhibit, if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a lesson in anatomy here that you get to look at. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I hope these guys are on painkillers when she smacks <laughs> one. I'm like, you're smacking the dude, you know, right on his muscle. <laughs> you must not have any nerves within those muscles. Guess not. <laughs> Somebody... As we run, we still run the uh, the Gen Thirteen Club at DeviantArt, and somebody mentioned there that uh, they thought that they draw Fairchild a little bit too mannish nowadays. <laughs> she she is pretty manly. <laughs> like maybe the maybe the artist of Superboy, but not. I think Ian Churchill does a better job. So especially I guess when she shrinks down again. <laughs> but yeah, they just uh, you know again they're they're doing pretty good about helping each other out, you know, her and Ridge do this neat little move where they, you know, she uses him and his tail to whip around and take out some of the, some of the followers. And meanwhile, Thunder and Lightning are over here, continue to have their little naked party and, <laughs> you know, Lightning's in some more compromising poses. <laughs> and it's a good thing she, she knows how to time the shadow and light just right. And also knows how to use panels very well. <laughs> And shadows, yeah. But so the, you know they they they're starting to be overwhelmed, and then finally Brother Blood shows up and basically offering them help. And you know he tries to prove that he can help by uh, healing one of Lightning's wounds. So right after that, she she goes all you know Kool Aid follower on him. <laughs> Par- apparently, he can only see in black and white and red. I don't know. I guess. I didn't even notice that the first time, but yeah, you're right. But yeah, so they, they agreed, or, well, her and, you know, seemingly Thunder want to join, and then, of course, I'm sure Fairchild and Ridge are going to be a little bit more skeptical. Meanwhile, in the forest, <laughs> Terra and Beast Boy are on their way, and they come across some, some of Blood's followers about to sacrifice some civilians to their little blood ritual, and Beast Boy freaks out at the sight of this and turns into a gorilla and starts taking them all out. 
And then right after that, we show back what Fairchild and the others that uh, Brother Blood uh, appears to be hurting Thunder while uh, Lightning is in the background looking very blissful. <laughs> and Ridge and Fairchild are freaking out, So, and that's where we're left. So definitely a very interesting issue. I mean, I think that's the one thing about, you know, we talked about before that this title is new. It didn't exist, you know, before the New 52. These, you know, most of these characters did, obviously, but, uh, you know, these are new interpretations. And on top of that, you know, it's just a new group. And I think that's what I'm enjoying about this book the most. To me, it's the freshest because uh, you don't really know what's going to happen. So what did you think? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, the first couple issues they were just trying to get away with or get away from the nowhere facility and, and from Harvest. And now that they've kind of made their way away from him, you know, with the introduction of Brother Blood and, and you know, what Terra and Beast Boy, their separate little storyline, you know, this this title's starting to get onto its legs in, in a different fashion and that's that's great i'm glad that it's gotten away from the culling and and is now starting something new and and it's exciting to read something completely different away from that storyline um i know it'll eventually come back around with superboy and and all of that and that's fine but for right now it's completely different and i really don't know what to expect and and that's why i said that i picked up animal man and i'll probably go out and get swamp thing to kind of understand you know some of the past or or some of those ties with uh this new villain and and um beast boy to see how that all interacts it's it's pretty sweet i'm i'm definitely digging it the art is fantastic so that's fun you know i was talking about grifter feeling like a teen book and this truly is supposed to be a teen book and it doesn't feel like one because it's not written (laughs) in a way to make the audience feel like they're imbeciles (laughs) i guess i don't know uh, yeah, I I feel like I just continue to dump on Grifter, but that's how that feels to me. So, whatever. But this is great. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see where this continues. It, it was really cool that this you know became one of the first new titles of the Fifty Two, um, and it's it is its own thing, and that's that's awesome. So I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. Next, we have Voodoo number 11, which released on July 25th, written by Josh Williamson, with art by Sammy Basri and cover by Paolo Sequeira. This title's uh, starting to uh, come to an end, as we mentioned not too long ago, and I know Joe's talked about it before, but you can kind of feel that that change in the writing um, from Josh. Obviously, this this was something that he probably didn't want, but he, he does have to tie this storyline up and, and you can sort of tell that he's doing the best with what he was given at the time. And thankfully, Sammy will be moving on to another title because his art has just been top notch ever since this title started. So we're really excited for that. Do you remember where he's going? Well, he's going to do an issue of Supergirl and somebody told me that he wasn't going to be the permanent artist, but... I don't know. I don't. I don't know where they got that from because I didn't see anything about that. But he's at least doing Supergirl number thirteen. So I that I mean that's a great choice. Any any title where he's going to be drawing women, you know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, honestly, if DC's smart, they will definitely keep him on a title permanently because he has been uh, so consistent and 
epic the entire run of voodoo um his expressions are amazing as we've always said and you know just the way that he draws women awesome so that's been great and these these past couple issues have been fun for me i know you had said that you didn't like the last one too much and you can tell that you know the tone of the book has changed quite a bit but in my mind they've been fun regardless anyways i'll just i'll get into it then Basically, we're starting right off where we were left um, with Voodoo going after the weapon that you know she was sent to get from Hellspont or for Hellspont, and she faces the big rock uh, robot centurion creatures on uh, Europa. I think they are the moon from uh, Jupiter, and so as she's starting, or as we're starting this this issue, um, she's in the midst of fighting those creatures and. You know, we get to read into her thoughts and she's discussing how, you know, fighting's just like dancing. It's it's no different, really. You know, you just have to plan through the, the chaos that's happening around you and uh, not stay in one place, basically. And so she's fighting and all the uh, weird uh, deformed daemonites are off in the distance cheering for her and and laughing and having a good time watching this fight because nobody's really lasted this long against these uh, creatures that, that protect this this weapon, uh, blue flame weapon that she's going after. And she even mentions Mallstone again, who is the, uh, the leader of this group of misfit daemonites. And right after she uh, mentions him, she feels Priscilla's presence on the... Uh, on the moon, on the planet, with her. And that's enough of a distraction for one of the centurions to grab her up, and and she got out of her rhythm, uh, fighting and dancing, so to speak. Um, And she gets captured quickly. Um, And then we go over to the group of uh, soldiers led by Lincoln, Andrew Lincoln, right? I like your title for him better. <laughs> Andrew, any book I'm in gets canceled, Lincoln. <laughs> yes, that's right. Good good callback. <laughs> um, and, and Priscilla's still kind of knocked out, and these guys crash land, and they're immediately thrown into a fight with all the uh, mutated or, or daemonites, basically this working class of daemonites um, that have been feeding on each other and kind of turned into this weird, weird morph of the Daemonite breed. And Priscilla is immediately able to feel voodoo and and says that she's hurting. And and so obviously she feels that pain as well. Um, so they decide that they need to um, fix their ship in order to get off of the... They keep saying planet, but really it's a moon. But whatever. <laughs> That's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so they have to look for a spare control panel because, you know, that'll be easy for them to fix an intergalactic Daemonite space cruiser, right? Um, so two of them uh, continue fighting the Daemonites and uh, Lincoln and the one girl who I don't even remember her name. <laughs> it's too hard to say, that's why. <laughs> it's like Slip Carla or Slip Mark. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Slip, whatever, yeah. Just watch the Olympics and look at some different Norwegian names or whatever. You can pretty much point one of those and be like, yes, she sounds like that. Anyways. <laughs> uh, Priscilla finally comes to and uh, saves their butts as they're being overrun by some of those 
Damonites, and she shoots one of them, and and basically is like uh, Lincoln's like now what do you want to do, Pris? And she's all I don't uh, I, w- I want to come up with a catchy phrase about what what she does when she all like uh, dragons out or something like oh <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying because her wings come out and her left hand is all Damonite esque, but uh. She immediately fought, flies away and is like, Voodoo's here, I'm going after her. And Lincoln's like, really? Really? I can't keep track of you at all. So the rest of them go after the uh, control panel so that they can get their ship fixed. And they continue to be... <laughs> I know what a Dragonite's out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll, we'll take Cause it. Because it, it's going to happen more, as we saw in the solicitations for Grifter 13. That's... So, you know, they have to have a word for that internally. They just haven't told it to us yet. So, yeah, that's good. I like that. All right, she Dragonites out. Cool. Yeah. I think that's a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> well, she looks like a Pokemon, and and this team of warriors look like freaking Power Rangers, just like the stinking Black Razors did. So, it's not too far off. Apparently, Io in this version of the DCU just they have no design sense at all, or they're very I don't know. I want to say it's like Apple. Like they're all very similar, and they're all going to be streamlined. Whatever. No, that's how sinister they are in this world. That they're they're just a, they're in product placement everywhere. So, really going to find out. <laughs> we flip back over to Voodoo, and she's being crushed literally by one of the Centurions, and Molestone is cracking up at this and. He's just like, oh, it's grand. You've lasted this long. I haven't seen an epic fight like this in for ages. And he's just laughing his head off. And he, uh, unfortunately, I have a feeling we're never going to get to see this character again. But he is hysterical. That's why I like the last issue so much. I just think he's a riot. And he's just this messed up, mutated Damonite. But he's funny to me. So it's, I, I don't know. I thought it was a good break in this the fact that this title is closing. But anyways, uh, Voodoo realizes that, um, you know, these, these <laughs> Centurions are literally stomping on her and, uh, she realized that she got distracted. So in order, you know, when she's dancing, what she does is she usually, um, understands exactly what the men, uh, want. And, and since she realizes that all these Damonites are watching her, and and really enjoying the fight that she's gonna you know get give them what they want and bring the fight to them so she leads the centurions right into the big group of of these daemonites and they just start picking them up and smashing them and and squishing them in their hands and tearing them limb from limb (laughs) and with that she's able to uh find an escape and see that the entrance to the temple is open so she makes her way into there as we cut over to lincoln and skivlara or whatever her name is skiv yeah skivlara sure that's what it is <laughs> and uh <laughs> they, they they find the control panel for the daemonite ship and uh and they decide that they're going to go back and fix their ship and they're immediately wrapped up by some of the Daemonites, or at least two of the the other two soldiers are um, grabbed up by the Daemonites and bit and torn from limbs, limb to limb. One of their heads are uh, decapitated, and Lincoln and Skivlar are like, oh no, where's Priscilla? We need her. <laughs> um, yeah. 
pretty gruesome. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was sweet. You could tell that uh, this is, this has has to be fun for Sammy to draw all this stuff. And we cut over to Priscilla, and she's all dragonited out, and uh, she's flying over trying to find Voodoo, and and she sees the she sees what's going on down below and it looks like it's snowing i guess i didn't realize that there must be snowing there must be atmosphere on this moon and she comes down and and lincoln shows up and they're kind of looking down over the edge of the cliff down onto the the mess and the mayhem that happened down below no it's not it's not lincoln it's that other dude can't remember his name the one that's supposed to watch her Oh, uh, yeah, 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 the one that they were having an interaction before they uh, flew away. I got you. I know what you mean. Um, anyways, the centurion's hands are all blue and stuff from the Daemonite blood, and they're looking at the massacre down below, and the uh, entrance to the temple is off in the distance, and they they you see um, a Daemonite word bubble behind her head be like, you... And it's a it's a mole stone, and she's like, and he's like, what happened? You know, the centurions won't stop until they have you, until you're dead. And you see the shocked look on uh, Priscilla's face, and and the other uh, warrior who's supposed to protect her, and and mole stones like Hellspont, you know, didn't send you just to bring terror and punish our our people, did you? And He's like, wait, you're not voodoo. Your scent is uh, pure and yet the same. <laughs> uh, Priscilla quickly uh, catches on and, and, and plays dumb and, and basically uh, makes Molstone kind of um, listen to her as well. And, and they're, they're able to escape, escape his wrath, I guess. He's kind of beat up, though, from the, the wrath of the Centurions anyway. So I don't think he had much fight left in him. Uh, we move back to uh, Voodoo as she's entering the temple and uh, you know she's going past all these big uh, statues of um, past Daemonites and they're all lined up in a row and uh, she's saying maybe it's too late um, you know the, the pain of being born this way we're, we're getting to see her thoughts about this but she does actually find the blue flame and it's so beautiful and powerful and she's kind of mesmerized by it and and, and kind of taken aback um, and she's basically like thinking that she's going to get revenge on Priscilla with this and then you, you see a human voice and she's like don't get too excited bitch game's over and uh, Priscilla was able to catch up to her in time um, right at the blue flame at the same time and she's all dragonited out and it's on now and it's basically the conclusion and it'll be the big drag down knockout fight between uh, Priscilla and Voodoo and I assume we'll see who comes out on top in the next issue which technically isn't the final issue but it, it will be for the present state at, at least yeah next month is the is the, the month of epic fights apparently we got Gripta versus Hellspawn Voodoo versus Voodoo <laughs> which you would think we would see some of Hellspawn in the next issue as well you would think since uh he was the one that sent her anyway, but maybe not. Yeah, and then I think it's the same month uh, where Stormwatch fights Martian Manhunter and supposedly he's supposed to leave according to solicits. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we have a crossover, uh, which we'll say in a minute here, with uh, Eye Vampire, which I guess is sort of the same kind of lead that they did with uh, Red Lantern. So they'll, they'll tie together pretty closely, I assume. 
hopefully. <laughs> right. So uh, what did you think of Voodoo number 11, Joe? I know that, you know, this turn hasn't been as favorable to you, but, you know, I understand it sucks that the title's ending, but I, I think they're doing the best that they can with what they're what they've been given and it's it's been fun nonetheless i i think it's a lot better than grifter even though this title is ending unfortunately yeah no definitely i mean it's it's still a better title just because it's it um i just has more to it it has more meat you know <laughs> yeah it is kind of sad because you know we experienced that with nathan edmondson you know on grifter and then now with josh williamson and and, and I, I mean, I can't think of in the past, because uh, obviously, you know, we followed titles, you know, especially with the Wallstrom universe and did, you know, we followed titles that were ending. But even back then, I don't remember them feeling like, oh, we're just giving up, you know. And that's kind of the way it feels here. It's like, oh, okay, well, it's ending. Let's just hurry up and finish this, you know. Because, yeah, I'm still enjoying it, but it was just... It's just interesting that, you know, I mean, what, the first two or three issues? The two, first two for sure. I don't know if it was the first three, but they had the crazy revelations. You know, first she was a clone, and, and what was the other the other big one after that? Um, but the point is, you know, it didn't seem like he had anything else that he's really revealed since then. I mean, it's still a good title, and, you know, like I said, at this point, all we can hope is for a decent ending, and then for the zero issue to just answer some unanswered questions obviously and then after that it's done and she shifts over to grifter so so that's nice that she has a continuation in another title and that she's not going to be you know left by the wayside and i and i think that's that's the the point that uh, Liefeld talked about that you know he was like why you know why are all these wildcats showing up basically you know what's up with that? It's the way he said it. <laughs> so hopefully that's what we're working towards. And we've already, you know, we've talked about that. You know, I was always willing to lose these both these titles in favor of Wildcats' title. So we'll see what happens. Well, I have a feeling that uh, zero issue of Voodoo will end up being, you know, some history as it's meant to be with all the number zeros. But it'll probably be a transition uh, to clear up some of the mess to get her into Grifter and hopefully eventually a Wildstorm title or a Wildcats title. I, I have a feeling it'll kind of bridge the gap in order to, you know, not just be just a jarring cutoff and then all of a sudden she's in Grifter. Yeah, no, and I think they, they gave them enough lead time. And I think that's something that DC's done well with the new is that the titles that have been canceled, I think they've given the writers enough lead time to start wrapping stuff up. So that way we don't have, you know, just endings and nothing resolved. So that's that's been nice about the new 52. But, yeah, I mean, as we saw on the cover of Grifter 13, you know, Voodoo's there. And, I mean, she's got a, a very different look, you know. But I, that, just, that could just be because Life was drawing it. It's basically her Dragonite look. But she's more Daemonite-ish, I guess. So it, I don't know. It's a weird image. We'll see. It's that's going to be a rough transition in my mind because Sammy's just been killing that her look. So yeah, I don't think anybody else has drawn her right. Yeah, um, no, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, honestly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, just going to enjoy what's left of it. But um, just want to talk about real quick some other uh, Wildstorm tie-ins that happened. Uh, on the same day that uh, Grifter and Ravagers came out, Deathstroke number 11 also came out on the 11th. And uh, we've got more Zealot showing up with um, with Deathstroke, and they're hunting after 
Lobo and you know this is his introduction to the new 52 as well as Zelots and some of these other characters and <laughs> I still I still find myself <laughs> feeling guilty for enjoying this issue more than Grifter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I don't know maybe it's just because I have nothing to expect from this issue you know because I don't really care for Deathstroke as a character I'm only following it because you know Zelots in there and thankfully we get some good you know fight scenes with her versus uh, Lobo and so I mean other than that I mean you want to talk about a book that's that's ramped up the action I mean this is definitely one of them you know because they have this big epic fight with him and and then towards the end you know he's about to take them all out and it's kind of the cliffhanger ending and, uh, but as we saw in the solicits you know apparently Zealot's still around in number 13 because that's the one you were just reading where they go where they learn about Kara or Karen <laughs> we'll right. find out if that's just a typo so right. But yeah, there's that one, and then there's uh, uh, on the 25th, uh, Savage Hawkman number 11. It's another cameo by Pike, which I was kind of disappointed a little bit, because I was like, you know, (laughs) you just stopped teasing already. (laughs) Because basically, you know, Hawkman has this big fight with this character called St. Bastion in a church, you know, and having this big old monologue about... uh, religious zealots and stuff, which I thought was interesting because I know Liefeld is a believer, so it's kind of interesting to hear that these are basically his thoughts of, of all this stuff. And At the very end, Hawkman gets shot and pan over to a huge doubles-page spread of Pike <laughs> holding a, a right, high-power rifle you know, with Hawkman and his girl, you know, uh, cow- well, not, I was going to say cowering, but, you know, he's hurt. <laughs> and, um, I really dig this new design for Pike. I mean, the one who's drawing this title is Joe Bennett, and I actually looked him up because I was trying to think if he'd ever done some Wildstorm stuff, and I couldn't find anything, so I can't think of where I've seen his art before, but I know his name. And his art's his art's pretty good, and I, I you know, because I know when we all saw the, the cover to the next issue, you know, number 12, that... Pike basically looks like Deadpool on that cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. It it it's kind of like between the way that Liefeld drew Pike on that cover and the way he drew Voodoo on the other cover. I don't, you know, everybody bashes Liefeld. And it's almost too easy to do. So you know, I'm not trying. I don't know how else to say this. You know, <laughs> but it's like it's almost like he wasn't even looking as to the way that the way that the characters are supposed to look. You know. I don't know. How, that's the only way I can say it. Especially Voodoo, who already has an established look. But Pike, obviously, the way that he's drawn on the next cover is nothing like the way he looks here. To me, here he looks badass. Right. You know. So I don't. I don't get that. So, but anyway, I'm just glad that you know that he's that he exists now, and hopefully he won't die in the next issue. <laughs> you know. Hopefully, you know. I'm sure Hawkman will beat him, but hopefully it'll be a good fight and he'll run away to fight another day so if pike doesn't survive and singe does i know all all has been lost (laughs) (laughs) yeah but anyway why don't you go ahead and tell us what's coming up sure uh next month uh we have Stormwatch number 12 coming out on august 1st uh august 8th we'll have grifter number 12 and that's grifter verse hellspawn ravagers number four also on august 8th and Deathstroke number 12 with some more Zealot and hopefully the conclusion with Lobo, I believe. 
Uh, on August 22nd, we'll have Voodoo number 12, which is the final issue of Voodoo um, outside of the number zero. But that will conclude this current um, title and its uh, current state run. As well as iVampire number 12, which will be a crossover with Stormwatch. And they're on the cover, so you can obviously tell that. Also, Savage Hawkman number 12, uh, which is Verse Pike. So if you want to pick that up and see that character, who is awesome and hopefully he'll be drawn better than the cover because <laughs> the two teases so far in savage hawkman number 10 and 11 have just escalated in awesomeness so we got a, a one page in number 10 which was pretty badass and then the number 11 double page spread just sealed the deal so that'll be really cool um, and remember that all these books are available digitally either through dc comics website or comicsology.com day and date every wednesday and a couple of quick shout-outs, so be sure and check out Chris Stryker's Stormwatch site, which is uh, stormwatch.ws. There is no www. And also visit the Higher Authorities message board, uh, Clark's Bar, which is we continue to discuss the integration of the Wildstorm U and to the DCU amongst longtime Wildstorm fans and even a few new ones that are popping up. I do appreciate you guys who are starting to post over there. Uh, but that's at uh, theauthority.ws. Uh, be sure to check out our friend of the show, the Image Addiction Podcast, as they cover new releases from Image Comics, and the Only the Valiant Podcast, as they cover the relaunching of Valiant Comics over the summer. Last time I mentioned that I left them a, a funny voicemail, uh, they went to Comic-Con, so they got two other episodes out before they actually got to this one. They've just released it today. It's episode 78. So uh, they, they, get a, they get a kick out of that, and they discuss that a little bit. So... Uh, great group of guys. Always enjoy talking with them. And finally, just wanted to mention um, an old image favorite uh, from Top Cow, Cyberforce, is coming back in a very unique way through the online uh, support community called Kickstarter. Basically, Kickstarter, if you've never used it before, is that you know you put up a project you want to you need funds for, and people will pledge towards it. And your pet, your pledges usually get you some sort of benefit, and the benefits are listed at the site. And, of course, the more you pledge, the more benefits the, the person creating the project will give you. And normally it's with the end of whatever project you create, you're going to go sell it and then make money off of it. Well, with Cyberforce, you know, obviously they have their own company, Top Cow, you know, is doing very well. But Mark Silvestri, the founder and creator of, of Cyberforce, was like, he wanted to do something different. He wanted to make it to where they could offer Cyberforce for free for the first five issues and so they're having people pledge a Kickstarter, and their goal is seventy-five thousand. They're currently at forty-eight, I think, or something like that. So they're still kind of a ways off. So uh, you know, if if you remember Cyberforce fondly, like I know I do, I don't know if, if you ever read it, Ben, but I always liked those characters. Oh heck yeah, a crossover with Wildcats. You know, we and they had a, a tie to the Wallstrom universe once upon a time. So, but. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping that this works out because it is a unique opportunity. So you can either go to kickstarter.com and just type in Cyberforce and it'll come up right away. If not, we'll have the link at the website because it's too long. It's weirded out with numbers and stuff, so <laughs> no point in reading it here. Yeah, go go support that project because that's another title I would love to see back on the stands, especially for free. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. And finally, if you want to contact us, you can follow me at twitter.com backslash grifter78, or you can look us up both at the Wallstorm Resource Wiki, uh, Ben is Yo-Yo Master 146 and uh, the wiki uh, is wildstormresource.wetpaint.com. 
And also follow the podcast, twitter.com backslash wildstormaddict. Email us at uh, wildstormaddiction at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook fan page, which really doesn't have anything, but it's there. <laughs> and we have a Google Plus page. And we're all, as Ben mentioned last episode, we are also now on the online service called Stitcher, where you can listen to us on your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and other devices with Stitcher. And you can find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. And we also have a link to it at the site. So anyway, you know, it's hard to keep these podcasts short now with four titles. It's, you know, but uh, it's a pleasant problem. And obviously with Voodoo Gone, you know, we'll be getting Team 7 here soon. So look forward to that. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for uh, listening to us, guys. And we'll talk to you next month.